Welcome back, new you maniacs, to the spinner rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, also known as the voice of the new universe by us, your hosts, Stephen plus Andy with, with the star brand 12. <laughs> you can see we're well coordinated, super team. <laughs> Practice that all morning, and this is the best we could do. Oh, this was the best take. I'll fix it in post. <laughs> Actually, I probably could, but no. <laughs> uh, so yeah, New Universe launched in 1986 as an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. Uh, the idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and more realistic technology, physics, and biology. Uh, after the first year, some books were canceled, although we are seeing their characters in other places, and the remaining books have now transitioned into new status quos, uh, with more action and consistent creative teams. You know, bring on the retcons. Uh, and so with our podcast, you can follow along each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, mostly, uh, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. Uh, if you're no stranger to the podcast, or even if you are, check out the Season 3 Trivia Challenge on our website, kickersinc.com. Uh, and if you want to be regularly updated, Twitter or X, at uh, kickersinc, whatever they decide to call it, we'll be there. Oh, man, it, you, it, it's so hard to like uh, develop a brand and brand identity. And so that everyone knows what you're talking about when you talk about this thing. <laughs> New Universe is a solid brand. You just need to bring it back that's a little, true. though. That's true. New Universe will never change up. The X right. Universe. You got that nice X New Universe label on the top of every comic and easily identifiable. Hey, wait a second. Anyway, oh, yeah, it's not on this comic. <laughs> Once again, we're going off our original schedule of titles. And uh, we did this um, to help us pace out some big events like the one we are covering today. This is the event that really turns the corner for the new you. And people are still debating the pros and cons of it all these years later. It's not like it'll start a fight, but it'll definitely start a discussion. If you ask people, do you like the pre-pit or post-pit universe? Um, so this week, it will be covering the Star Brand. Everyman Ken Connell was given a power called the Star Brand under mysterious circumstances. Wanting to help others, but also afraid to expose himself, Connell struggled to grow up and find use for the brand's unlimited power while dating many, many available women. Starbrand number 12, Ken Connell has a wild rematch with the mysterious old man. Uh-oh. And the true nature of the white event is revealed. Wow. When Ken tries to give up the Starbrand, well, we can't tell you what happens, but we can say this. The new universe will never be the same. Written and penciled by John Byrne and inked by Tom Palmer. Hmm. Can't tell you what happens. Just don't look at any of our advertising materials in the comic books you're reading. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, 
maybe maybe we've done a good job of obscuring it uh but yeah so we'll also discuss the rest of universe news uh thoughts on the pit event there's a nice little the pit begins on the corner of this cover uh talk about the new white event explanation and maybe some alternative ideas to that that sounds good let's dig on into the star brand number 12 which we could not put off any longer (laughs) uh cover dated march 1988 it came out on december 15th 1987 we hit the newsstands and um so note the timeline. We'd kind of uh, put Cyforce out of order last week. Um, the timeline in the book had Cyforce ended on December 18th, and this book picks up on December 22nd. So that was our in-universe rationale for that little switcheroo. Even though Cyforce came out a week after this and had no mention of this, and then books that related to it um came out a week or two after that yeah i guess that's the joy of reading stuff later right you can have you can craft your own reading list that may actually make more sense than the chronological publishing timeline yeah i think someone on the um facebook page was just asking about what a good uh list of issues to to read were and it's like just look at our episode titles that's that's good yeah place to start digging on in we have the cover the star brand there is no uh new universe up at the top it has marvel the white event explained and the pit begins over in the corner there's uh i guess uh star brand ken connell's um superhero costume we we see him sort of squished into a corner as he is being blasted by some energy blast um or he's blasting like... an energy blast out of his star brand symbol on his costume which is kind of what it looks like okay that also works. i don't think that's what's happening but it's kind of what it looks like <laughs> yeah it's uh ambiguous let's say there's uh either way there's people flying around in front of him and Interestingly, those people are the X-Men. There's Nightcrawler, Wolverine, and Storm quite prominently um, fleeing in fear from him. And uh, in the corner, it's where the uh, UPC logo would be. Um, It has the X-Men in the new universe? Not bloody likely. Um. I tried looking up when that was like a cool catchphrase. Um, apparently, <laughs> goes all the way back to George Bernard Shaw, so it's been around for a while. Yeah, um, I'm I'm not sure who picked it up in the '80s. Uh, mm, perhaps nobody. It was like a Britishism. So uh, John Byrne, born in in the UK, we're looking at you, buddy. Um, there's also some comic books flying around and. We have identified some of them as Avengers 288, Captain America 338. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 299, which is right around the time, like, I think 300 was the first Venom, like Eddie Brock is showing up in these issues. 
and then Incredible Hulk 341. I we think it was you know mostly helpful people on the internet with that one because you don't see a lot of it looks like a mush of Incredible Hulk, uh, but it fits with the timeline because that that would be uh, you know an issue that would be out at the time and it, it looks about right. Yeah, those all come out within a month or two of this issue hitting the stands. And uh, uh, I think there's another one there that's so obscured by the logo. I couldn't even I couldn't make heads or tails of it. But I bet if I looked through everything that came out that month. One of you, dear listeners, maybe you've got the answer. Hmm. Yeah, I think the other the other larger one that's between Captain America and Hulk is just another copy of Amazing Spider-Man. Hmm. That would also work. <laughs> but yeah, it's also okay. kind of interesting because the X-Men on the cover, like the Wolverine, like you can see his eyes through the eye holes. Right? So like Batman, you know, you never see his eyes when he's Batman. It's just white. And that's mm. kind of distinctive kind of thing. Here, like it looks more like a dude in a mask. Maybe at a okay. comic convention. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, if if you are close-eyed, you may see. Uh, I don't know. I I thought uh, like his um, claws looked a little flat somehow, and there's something about the night mask or the what's his name? Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Um, that is a little off. Although I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. Don't know. Um so why are the X-Men in the new universe? Is that the explanation for the white event? Hmm. <laughs> Let's go inside. Not. I'm sure it's it's nothing bad's happening. Title on the splash page. Farewell, Pittsburgh. <laughs> Whatever could you mean there, comic book? Oh, I see. I see Duck has has driven away from Pittsburgh. I guess she's off to start a new life in Mansfield, Ohio. Okay. Um, We have a nice little uh, suburban house, and it's it's just a a full page of that and a couple of people at the door. Um, And a narration says Mansfield, Ohio, which is about 120 miles from Pittsburgh, says it's about three three hours away um, between Cleveland and Columbus. It also says December 19th, 1987, 8.53 a.m. And uh, so there's a like snowman on the uh, lawn, so it's a little wintry out there. And uh, it's this sort of classic uh, brick uh, house you'll, you'll find in this area. It's pretty nice looking. Um, and someone's opening the door saying, Maddie, Maddie Felix, what in the world are you doing here? And we have a thought balloon from the other character saying, boy, it's been a long time since I heard that name. And she is then speaking. Hi, Jane. Sorry, I didn't call. I, I, oh, Jane. (laughs) Uh, she, we move inside and she's, uh, hugging this woman, uh, who's, says maddie come in sit down take it easy okay it's not it's not okay it's never going to be okay again 
And we can see now that she's inside, it is Debbie Duck. Debbie Duck Fix, as she's been referred to in every other issue of this book so far. Retcon. <laughs> you know, I, I keep thinking that, like, in that first page, if I only had the original art, I'd love to see that because it's like Maddie and hi Jane. And then like, it's just like a thought balloon of like, Oh, uh, that's the name I used to use or something. And it's like, I, I, I will bet you a dollar that like that is pasted on as like the editor saying, Oh, we got to do something to, to establish that it's the same character. Otherwise everyone will think you forgot her name. Ah, uh, right. Did. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like you just jump in and everyone calls you a different name. And it's like, did the writer just forget who this is? Maybe. <laughs> I think that's. Um, no. So someone comes uh, else comes downstairs and um, also recognizes her as Maddie. Hi, Roger. Sorry to come over so early on a Saturday. I drove all night from Pittsburgh. Drove? Maddie, I don't remember ever seeing you behind the wheel of a car. What's wrong? Oh, just everything, Rog. I don't even know where to start. My life's all upside down. I'm going to have a baby, and my boyfriend, he just became a superhero. What? <laughs> uh, Roger and Jane are taken aback by this. Roger looks like, um, frankly, one of the Marvel writers that we saw last issue. <laughs> Generic bearded guy, with, guy glasses. with beard and glasses. Yeah. Every um, Marvel writer he has a cane. Every. And Ascenti was forced to grow a beard briefly <laughs> in the 80s. She doesn't like talking about it, but no. Uh, Roger also has a cane he walks around with, which I don't know if this will come in handy uh, important later, but it's just very like at the edge of the panels and it's uh, interesting. So Roger's sitting down. You, you don't mean this star brand guy we've been hearing about for the last past couple of months. I know he's supposed to be from Pittsburgh, but you know him more. Just know him, Raj. He's the father of my baby. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm, I'm going too much <laughs> too broad there for Ducky. I'm just, he's the father of my baby and he doesn't love me anymore. So uh, Jane offers to make up the guest room so she can lie down. But she's like, no, I, I, let me finish, Jane. I got a carrying it inside me so long. I, I'm just about to bust. I got to tell somebody. And I know I can trust you and Raj. I'm glad you can trust uh, Jane and Raj. Uh, we're going to just spread Ken's uh, superhero secret identity all over the Midwest. Uh, right. Okay. And paternity. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we go into flashback mode for the next couple of pages. I think you met Kenny once. Uh, that's got to be like a Pittsburgh accent that I don't even recognize as as a thing. But okay. <laughs> O-N-C apostrophe T. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of guessing at how you even pronounce it. So she's maybe you met him once when you was in up in Pittsburgh to see that show I was in. Ken Connell, he's the star brand. Okay. He's the one that came up with my stage name. He even used to call my mom that as a gag. 
I um what? Is this Debbie her stage name? So yeah, I get the sense from that that Debbie or Ducky uh or both were a stage name for a, a show she was in, which I don't know any, you know, she she never sort of talked about anything like that before. And also, we never met her mother. No. Um, so, and why he would call her mother Debbie, Debbie or Ducky either, I have no idea what that even, yeah. you know, it's... I really don't understand this name change thing. <laughs> yeah, the mystery is just like, where did we, where did that come from, you know? Um so she starts recounting things that we've actually seen in the book, though. One day, Kenny met this old man out in the woods, and the old man gave him this power tattoo. And we see uh, basically the events of um, Starbrand number one. Um, you know, old man dies and told, turns out to be some kind of UFO alien. Uh, then another alien showed up. Yeah, we had that too. Kenny beat him, but not for the before the old. He said the old man is still alive. Then the old man turned up again with this big story, and we shift to um, issue six, maybe, um, where the old man meets them at the Denny's, Kenny, Ken, and Debbie, and is telling them on the other side of the universe a war is being fought. You must help me win it. So she continues with, like, the old man uh, started threatening Kenny's family and friends. He beat me up pretty bad, put me in the hospital for a month. And we see her in the hospital, as she was. Um, the old man lured Kenny to, the, to my room, said he'd kill me if Kenny didn't give him back the star brand. And we see that scene from Seven, I, th I want to say, where... Yeah. Um, he, he um yeah they sort of race out of the hospital room after they call the old man's bluff there's a big fight and uh even though uh he's a big guy kenny ken finally fries him with this big bolt of star brand energy the old man was dead again this time kenny thought for good he tossed the body out into space so we're watching all of this and then he came back to me and he's telling her that he loves her uh, while she's in the hospital uh, bed. Um, but the next few weeks, everything seemed fine. We was like honeymooners, me and Kenny. He was using the star brand less and less. And a nice little shot of them sort of walking through downtown. He has a pit t-shirt on. But after a while, Kenny started getting these fits of depression. I didn't know what to make of them. And we have a panel that reminds me of like the end of, I want to say issue 10 after he threw that guy into space. Yeah. Yeah. That looks right on. Like he's just kind of sitting there in the shadows. Yeah. Although I, I think also the annual, he's also like alone in a room. Sad. <laughs> so maybe these fits of depression were just like uh, irregular writing uh, staff. And Yeah. <laughs> So she says, I called Kenny's friend Myron Feldman. He's a psychiatrist. And we start getting some Myron uh, input about how Ken uh, wants more, you know, positive feedback from people. 
And um, now that he has this ultimate power, he can't avoid responsibility for it anymore. And it's made him more powerful, but keeping the secret of it is getting, driving him crazy. And so, as uh, Debbie says, you mean he's getting all depressed because he can do all these fantastical things, but nobody's cheering him? You think he needs to show off to go public? Exactly, says Myron. Hmm. Not at all uh, suspiciously like uh, working her to uh, get arrive at the idea that he wanted her to arrive at. I'm just anyway. Yeah, when when I was reading this, uh, there's a line, the two lines that kind of poked out into my brain. Um, you know, Myron says he wants a lot out of the world and he wants it on his terms, and then Duck follows up with i'm not gonna call her maddie uh he always <laughs> wanted people to play by his rules uh, which is interesting because you know a lot of people say um ken connell's a stand-in for jim shooter as the tall man from pittsburgh kind of thing and this is written by john byrne who famously does not like jim shooter especially applying his sort of editorial mandate the things that he needs to see in the comics he publishes mm. um so I wonder if that's a little that's a good point. Conscious yeah. or subconscious jab there, like, oh, this Ken Connell always needs everyone to play by his rules. Otherwise, mm, he cries like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, mean, I might know, be reading uh, into it too much, but <laughs> I mean, I like the word that came to my mind with Ken Connell was like slacker, you know? He was like but he was a thoughtful. Uh, I don't know why know what to do with this. Blah blah blah. He wasn't like I've got to micromanage the world now that I have ultimate power. No. Um, so it was... yeah, it it makes honestly more sense applied to a uh, editor in chief. Um, but then, Ken himself, I guess it's a it's a little. Um, well, I don't quite know. Off, what... But so it goes. I still don't know quite what to make of Myron's advice sometimes, but ah, Ducky continues. I made a costume for Kenny and me, Adam and Myron. Without Kenny knowing we was in it together, me and Myron convinced him to go public. That's when the world found out about the star brand. And we see him sort of flying off. Do we see any exciting... Uh, action-packed uh, adventures of the star brand no we cut to um <laughs> debbie's uh obgyn and that's when i found a, a maybe uh, me and kenny been maybe a little too much like home honeymooners all the tests are positive miss you're eight to ten weeks pregnant <laughs> don't 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 and this this we suspected before i think you know and um, I don't know if I don't know if it fits timeline wise, but there were some early issues where um, Duck was like really clingy. He's like, "No, you can't leave me. You got to stay in my life," kind of thing. Where I was kind of thinking pregnancy. Um, yeah, I was. I then we had more obvious I, last time when she was throwing up and stuff. But yeah, that was always. I mean, that's why I said in Kickers Eleven or whatever it is, if Darlene is sick. You know, there's only one sickness in comic books for female characters. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, um, there's been a couple of things where like she, it was a very early issue where she, like, you know, she's like in a sexy pose or something. He takes a Polaroid 
then Barb finds the the photo, that sort of st- you know, and they like kind of go off uh off stage for a minute, and you know, you're kind of left to your imagination. That timeline doesn't match at all. You know what I mean? That would have yeah. been a baby that would have been born quite a while ago already. So let's see. The fight with the old man, that's actually already kind of, um, let's assume the rest of the new universe books were going along to like issues eight to 10. And this is, they're up to like 17, 18 now. So it's been six or seven months since like she says, they were acting like honeymooners. So yeah. Yeah. If it was eight to 10 weeks pregnant, that would have been like in universe time, October, give or take. Yeah, basically just around or just before this last issue, the first burn issue came out. So, okay. Well, anyway, so she's uh, she's saying that she next couple of weeks, she was very fr- frustrated. She wanted to tell him about this, but he was always off playing hero all the time. We do not actually see him playing hero all the time. <laughs> Ever. Um, finally. <laughs> I managed to to uh, convince him to stay home one evening, and I cooked him my best meal. And he's like, best grilled cheese sandwiches in the world. What's the <laughs> occasion? And then I got to tell you, uh, well, and then I told him, but his reaction isn't at all what I expected. And we just have a close-up of Ken as he is saying the following lines. Er, gee, that's a swell but why tell me? Why not tell the father? What? Kenny? Kenny, you're the father. Oh, come on. I thought better of you. You've been pretty possessive for as long as I've known you. He's confusing her with uh, Bar- uh, Barb. Yeah. yeah. But going out and getting yourself pregnant and then using the baby to try and trap me. Pretty low. Pretty low. Kenny! Character assassination. This, <laughs> this is what we call the heel turn. And uh, despite what other things you're going to see in this issue, this is the point where, like, this isn't the hero of the book anymore, you know? Yeah. I mean, there you got him, like, sitting at the dinner table with his un- only his underpants on. And, like... Yeah, it's madness. Madness. Um, yeah, I got to say, that first panel at the top left of page six... And that, like, bizarre, like, why don't you tell the father? Um, That panel has been seared into my memory since I first read this book. Really? (laughs) Of, like, the, the, like, few things I remembered from the new universe. There was, like, this horrible moment where he he dumps on her for telling him he's pregnant. She's pregnant. Hmm. Uh, Anyway. Well, we had a big fight. A big fight. Oh, well, yeah, I can imagine. And in the end, I stormed out. I took Kenny's car, and uh, um, she drives to her mom's place, but she doesn't stop. And she says, I, her mother wouldn't understand. And that's when I thought of you guys. I just didn't know where else to go. I just I just knew I had to get out of Pittsburgh. Dun, dun, dun. It never really explains who these two are, right? Not at all. Friends? Not at all. Uncle and aunt? Who knows? College roommate? (laughs) I don't know. 
like I say, they're a little older than 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 Ducky, but not like, yeah, um, mm. not much. But um, I don't know. Somehow they're like a a stable force that she went to um, went to when she self, since she was in trouble and she didn't know what else to do. Well, and at then least, uh, at least ducks out of Pittsburgh. At least Duck is out of Pittsburgh. It was like she had to get out of Pittsburgh. Interesting. So Jane tells her to lie, lie down, and get some sleep, and uh, the last thing we get is a uh, line from Roger that cracks me up. Yes, maybe when you feel better, we'll all take a ride up to Pittsburgh and have a little chat with this Mister So-called Superhero. <laughs> what are you gonna do, Roger? He's got superpowers. <laughs> you you can't even walk, apparently, Roger. <laughs> well, Mister Superhero, Mister So-called Superhero, why don't you just fly yourself down here and we'll have a little, little talk here, Mister? It's <laughs> uh, gonna cut off his allowance. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That part I like. So, <laughs> so we, uh, he's, uh, Debbie's okay. And we flash back to Pittsburgh. Have a nice shot of downtown. Um, the point, I guess. And the narration box telling us that it's Saturday, December 19th. It's the same day, 1037 AM. So just a couple hours later. And as we, uh, Get into this uh, convention center. We have uh, a, a dialogue box saying, "So, do you think you'll ever go back to the X?" And uh, the next panel is the first one with the um, identifiable people. We have John Byrne uh, being held back by Howard Mackey, who is Byrne is about to strangle this kid who just asked him about the X Men. Whoa, pops, easy! He's just a kid. <laughs> Gruenwald is there talking to someone who looks like Lindsay Falman from the last issue of Cyforce, saying mm. this is why he doesn't do conventions anymore. So, uh, yeah, Byrne is aware that he was a uh, reputation for uh, blowing up at people at conventions, I guess. So not a great uh, surprise. Um, we still have a long shot of the convention floor where it is huge. And... Um, Let's say um, that you know, tons of people around, and a lot of Marvel uh, banners are up. And um, so, it, it, the idea being, this is a big Comic Con in downtown Pittsburgh, and the Marvel staff, uh, these three that we saw last issue, have come to do signings and promotion. I guess so. Um, one of them is like, yeah, "Settle down, John, and answer him politely." And uh, there's a little joke about how uh, Byrne says he won't be going back. He doesn't like going back anywhere. And one of the other editors says, yeah, after the con, he won't even be going back home. Anyway. Nice Byrne joke, continued. bearded guy number three. <laughs> we don't even know. Byrne says, anyway, I'm too busy. What with my new project at Marvel? Plus my plan to do about 100 issues of Super. Hey, he, he's here. Ah! Um, the kids are around him like are uh, very excited as someone else strolls in. Um, this really is kind of a transition point, I think, where Byrne maybe thought he was going to continue to to do Superman for DC as well as pick up Starbrand. But um, 
that was not to be. DC and Marvel typically will not let you sort of bounce back and forth simultaneously and Superman being kind of a flagship character that wouldn't have been an easy talk anyway. By the way, does that look like Clark Kent behind Byrne there? It totally does. <laughs> not suspicious at all. Anyway, so we have uh, the next panel walking in uh, to the con, the con floor is uh, Ken in his star brand outfit that Duck had made for him. Don't feel bad at all there, do you, Ken? Okay. <laughs> she sewed you a superhero costume and look how you treat. Anyway. <laughs> so we have uh, the guy who's showing uh, Ken around is um, not really named, but he is every con organizer you've ever seen. He's a middle-aged bearded guy with a ponytail, glasses, and they always wear like a vest or like maybe like a fisherman's vest. So you have a lot of extra pockets, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Rory um, Root Vince? from, <laughs> from uh, Comic Relief in Berkeley. You are remembered, my friend. Hmm. Anyway. So uh, like the guide is telling him how grateful they are for his being the guest of honor at our first con and ken is saying my pleasure after all it was these comic book fans who believe first believed in me and helps convince the media i was for real and everyone's got a lot of you know like oh it's him i can't oh that's great it's great i'm in um all around him so the uh guide continues we're going to set you next to the marvel table i guess you know all these guys right uh, well, no, not really. I never read comics much. I mean, you would really have to be a, a reading Marvel age and I don't know what all else to even know what these guys look like at the time. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I would struggle <laughs> even then. Yeah, it's they're they're Yeah, I mean, if if you pass John Byrne in the in the on the street, the likelihood that you would like you know, pop to him. Uh, very unlikely, but anyway. So I never read comics much. That's obvious, says one of the uh, editors. Hmm? What's that supposed to mean? It means we don't th think anyone who really reads comics would dress up as a superhero. Not in the real world, anyway. Uh, what What do you mean exactly? Well, a lot of the stuff we do in comics only it works only because we say it does. And because the fans accept our word on it. John's right. It's the whole thing about willing suspension of disbelief. Sure, if Howard took off his glasses right now, you wouldn't think he'd turned into somebody else. But some characters get a lot of mileage out of disguises just that flimsy. It's like, I'm, I'm not wearing just glasses. <laughs> You're saying my mask doesn't disguise me? It's worked so far. Maybe, but it's just a woolen ski mask, right? I can't believe Ken's still using the woolen ski mask. <laughs> madness a much more breathable material seems like would be a better deal but hey i guess it is december but uh it's like yeah if don't you use something lighter otherwise you just well he'd look a lot puffier than he's shown in these but anyway so uh whoever grunwald says yeah it doesn't hide uh, the color of your eyes or the shade of your skin and the others continue so basically, Ken is being ganged up on by these Marvel guys. Nerds versus actual superhero. It's like, wow, this is stupid. 
Why are you walking around so stupidly stupid? Anyway, so uh, with that costume, you give anybody who wants to think about a bit, quite a bit to work with. Your height, your big nose under that mask, and a pointy chin. So let's assume we go. you've got a driver's license. We go down to the uh, Pittsburgh DMV. We look up all the white males, six foot four and over. Remember, he's a pretty big guy. 240 pounds, blue eyes, big nose. But even if it's 100 names, you'd probably be one of them. So what if I use my vast criminal empire to keep an eye on each one of those guys? Maybe start knocking them off one by one. Which is not a bad, uh, you know, <laughs> so, observation. Uh, so, I, I mean, it, it pops out you having said it, but so the com- in the comic book, John Byrne starts writing Ken Connell as kind of a stupid oaf who is also more of a jerk. <laughs> and then in the comic, they they write themselves into the comic calling him a stupid oaf. <laughs> Subtle, guys. <laughs> uh, it's multi-layered. It's just that all the layers are bad and hate <laughs> Jim Shooter. I no, I, I, okay, so... They they sort of proposed like, well, you know, it wouldn't really take that much to to break your disguise. And uh, we break your disguise right away as someone shouts, Connell. Whoops. Just play it off. Don't listen. No one knows you. <laughs> no. He, uh, of course, turns right around and uh, it's the old man standing in the midst of a sea of these uh, comic uh uh, readers in the, at the con at the, it hmm. is uh didn't, yeah. we, didn't we just vaporize him and throw him into space into space yeah into space but here he is again ken's like what no it can't be and the old man again uh not shy about uh, <laughs> outing him why not no why not haven't figured it out yet connell you've had more than enough time it's nice Full page splash of this, and uh, I guess the uh, the Comic Con guide is there as well. Uh, no one's like yelling, "Hey, it's Ken Connell! I know that guy." <laughs> um, Not yet. So you've had more than enough time, and now your time is up. And he hits him with a blast of energy from his hand in the next page. Oh. Um. Ken is like knocked into a booth and he's like, he's more powerful than before. Each time he's come back from the dead, his power has been greater. And the old man's continuing. Come on, Connell, no more games. You've served your purpose. Now I want the brand back. Give it to me. We flash over to another corner of the con where this Young dude is introducing uh, some cosplayers. The uh, Pittsburgh Mutant Defense League um, doing a dress-up of uh, the Uncanny X-Men. And uh, Andy figured out that the t-shirt the uh, MC is wearing is probably Phoenix Lives in homage to the X-Men as well. So the X-Men, as we see, uh, are a little more off-model than they were on the cover, where there was just, like, slight issues. Now Nightcrawler is uh, seems very much like a skinny, like, younger person than the others. Storm and is kind of heavy, heavier than, than the comic model. Uh, Wolverine is 
notably lacking in any muscles. But... Yeah. <laughs> and just a quick little panel to justify the cover, basically. Yeah. It's a Cyclops who didn't make the cover. Uh, feels bad. Yeah. Um, so the old man goes flying through the, uh, the pile of cosplayers who uh, shriek and run away. And uh, Connell is uh, flying towards them. Okay, old man, I thought I'd seen the last of you. And I don't know how you keep coming back, but I killed you before. Uh, this is <clears throat> taken out of context. I don't want this to be used against me in a court of law. <clears throat> <laughs> but I killed you before, and I can do it again. So Connell just flies right into him. And there's comic books flying everywhere, explosions of on a sort of small scale, and people are all sort of like screaming and running. So it looks like Ken's holding him down and pounding on him. And he's like, I'll keep doing it until you stay dead. And then we have uh, old man blowing him off of him, just yelling fool at him. And then it gets weird. <laughs> and that's when he gets as trippy as we can get it. So this next page is pretty uh, strong. It's got, it's like the old man is walking towards the reader um, so he's getting closer and closer and he's getting less and less human with each panel. And he's talking about, it was blind luck that brought you to me in the first time, Connell. I had no control over where I came back to earth. Could have been Europe or Brazil or Mongolia. Pittsburgh was a fluke. You were a fluke, but a perfect fluke, gullible, usable. You couldn't have been better suited psychologically if I'd searched for you for years I gave you the greatest power any human has ever known, Connell, but you never even began to understand its potential. You could have ruled the universe, but you wasted it, frittered it away, and now it's your turn to die. And with that, he's kind of, he's look. it looks like the, the power is rising in him, you know, which uh, means something's coming up. We switch outside on the next page to Bobby and Cassie, the sort of uh, dodgy couple that we saw last issue, who uh, Bobby had said, wait, I know who that is. I've got to know his secret identity. And from now on, that guy's going to be working for me. So they're outside in the hall with no with nobody around. And uh, he's like, shut up, Cassie. You're starting to sound like my wife. And uh, But just because you know who the star brand guy is, and uh, I don't just think I know. I know. And now it's going to, I'm going to, uh, he's like, he's finally found a place where Ken was going to be standing around and he could talk to him. He's going to go threaten to him. Now he's come to wrestle him where, where I can get to him. Mr. Superhero Connell is going to find out he's working for me. And <laughs> he says me, that he opens the door, but the energy blast goes right through him and incinerates him. Yeah, he got the Terminator 2 treatment, like the skeleton on the fence thing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's a good good punchline there. It's so and much the last, for that plot thread. Yeah, let's torch it. Plus, they were yelling Connell all over the convention center for the last half hour. So, Well, all those guys are dead. <laughs> yeah, we, we have an outside long shot view, and there's a big explosion that seems to be taking out this whole building. Uh, turn the page. Yeah, so I guess comic book 
new universe john Byrne and whatnot they're they're all dead yes that's the good part Uh, we cut away to myron feldman who is in his weird home of garbage watching tv as uh, we always love characters getting their news from tv news report is saying they refuse to even speculate on the number of dead and injured although some authorities estimate a fatality total of nearly 5,000 comic book sales in Pittsburgh will plummet (laughs) and is it Myron is saying Ken my god Ken what have you done and something is coming up behind him Ah! (laughs) and it's one of these like things that the old man had turned into but it's saying my one help me <laughs> passes out so yeah like in issue one when the old man he finds the old man's dead body and it looks just like this weird mutated bubblegum gross alien man kind of thing and yeah so the old man had just turned into that and now ken has turned into that yeah explanation to come <laughs> Supposed to get a lot of explanations this issue, and we're on uh, page 15. Uh, here's the ad. One of these paranormals is going to kill a million people. So at this point, you may be thinking, hmm, so he killed 5,000 people. That's enough, right? Onward we go. Onward we go to the next advertisement. <laughs> Flip the page, and uh, if you live in Pittsburgh, get out now while you still can. You've got five pages to go. Apparently. Anyway. Okay. So we have uh, suddenly Ken waking up. No! Waking up in bed. And uh, Myron's there. Ken, easy boy. Take it easy. You're all right. (laughs) Night mask pops in. Of course it's (laughs) (laughs) green. I mean, this is the same. uh... Yeah. That is literally issues eight and nine of the book. Uh, Sort of a callback there. Is Myron, is that really you? I was having these dreams, these awful nightmares about not being human anymore. That that was no dream, Ken. What? Sorry, Ken. Yes, I know you're taken over by a writer that hates you. (laughs) You're doomed. Yeah, we can't just sort of reset to a couple days ago when you told Debbie to uh, take off and kill thousands of people. <sighs> I guess not. No. Um, Myron continues, you're perfectly human now. You reverted while you were unconscious, but when you arrived here, well, you weren't. It It wasn't a dream then? None of it? None of what the old man finally told me? Myron's uh, surprised the old man came back again? Yeah, he came to the comic book convention. Oh my god, Myron. All those kids. Slow down, Ken. Tell us what happened. He he said it was my turn to die. My turn to die, Myron. And then he killed me. So here we go. We all sitting down for this one? Uh. The old man isn't an alien, Myron. He's as human as you or me. At least he used to be. He was a Dutch count. Uh, what okay <laughs> she's got some like yeah so we we 
we got a little uh series of narrations from ken here um some uh guy from uh, as he says one day he got the power of the star brand i still don't know where it came from but it started growing inside him bigger and bigger he looks like he's in the renaissance right totally uh, at first he was afraid of it and he hid it uh, myron all this was 500 years ago <gasps> okay <laughs> So the new universe started in a Dutch count 500 years ago. Mm. Well, that was unexpected. Right. Well, then he gets a shovel. Then he gets a shovel and maybe he goes to colonial America. So he says he kept it quiet all these years and he kept moving around and he was growing taller and stronger and the power grew and uh, he didn't die. He was aging only slowly. And one day, about three years ago, he was caught in a mine cave-in. What? I mean... I have so, like power. Let's become a miner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what more fun could you have? He's a 500-year-old Dutch count, and his, like, his, his plan was, like, I will go hide in West Virginia and become a coal miner. <laughs> okay. Hmm. So he says he was killed, squashed flat, only he came back to life. So he hadn't been killed in all this time, but now he was. And he was looking like this squashed alien thing when he comes out of it. He realized the Starbrand was doing something to him, mutating him from within. He decided to get rid of it again. He tried before, put it into dogs, cats, trees. The power always consumed them. And he was always left with a residue of power, 10% of infinity. So he decided to put it into something unliving, something big, an asteroid. And we see him uh, flying onto one that's really only about the size of a large car, I would say. Yeah. And it says, it blew up July 22nd, 1986. Myron quickly regressed the significance of this. Wasn't that the date of that big flash, that white event all over the world? Yes, that was the explosion. But in and after that, the old man was left with 10% of what he started with. He got back to Earth, hard landing. He lay low, waiting for some unsuspecting dupe he could dump more of the power into. He got me. Hmm. This is confusing, like. So every time he every time he dumps the power into something, he keeps ten percent. But then they also say it's ten percent of infinity, so it's still infinite. Yeah, usually explanations are supposed to clarify things, <laughs> not make things muddier. But um... and he knew, even giving Ken the power, that he wouldn't get rid of all of the power. So then the point being, what? <laughs> Right. Why it's, is it's he like mad a and wanted, wants the brand back whenever he keeps going to see Ken? Right. And the previous uh, encounters, the old man said something more of the lines of like, I want the power back. I have another weapon. It's not as powerful, but I know how to use it better. Right. Right. So that was the sort of, uh, you know, why he was comparable to Ken, even though he said that this star right. brand was infinite or something right um, and, and 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 then it gets more confusing <laughs> so ken he never told you this before how do you know it now that was how he killed me myron he fused with me 
this sounds very sexual, but no, he continues. <laughs> <laughs> Our auras mingled. He poured all his energy into me. <laughs> From behind. <sighs> and when I came back to life, he was gone, and I remembered his story as if it were my own. Okay. <laughs> what? Good thing he didn't pour his energy into the cat. Oh, my God. So, uh, Myron, who again, we went to for good advice, says, you can't believe that any more of this story than the alien war story. And that part is true. Yeah. Why would you, you know, this is as basically as outlandish as the last story you told us. But he continues, there's one thing of which I am now convinced. You've got to get rid of your power, Ken, before it mutates you into one of those creatures. Permanently. But how, Myron? Each time the old man tried to get rid of the power, he was left with 10%. Same thing's going to happen to me. Yes, right? You're... Yeah, that's... None of these guys are, like, math majors. <laughs> I, it it seems like he's saying that like you dump off your power and then you whatever you have left you dump off it and you like do that successively a few times and maybe that's going to get you down to a level that's not going to bring you back or something I don't know uh, yeah so, yeah it's so confusing it's like you're already operating at a reduced level from where he started okay except he just reabsorbed the old man's power um. Or his maybe, energy into me. Maybe most of the power became the white event, but again, if if, if it's infinite, that it doesn't really matter. And then all of a sudden, like ten percent should be enough to control the blast and keep you alive. And like he's never been able to like protect something from the blast. Um, bad, bad plan, Myron. <laughs> I I'm just so disappointed in this. <laughs> just like crash out of your out of your uh, computer chair in disappointment <laughs> jaw hit the floor a few pages ago so um so he says 10 percent should be enough to control the blast and keep you alive huh okay yeah, yeah okay, not even Mark. a physicist yeah maybe if you had a better like a friend who was a physics major you'd get better advice there so he says uh you told me once before how the old man cautioned you after you first got the star brand, put it into an inanimate object and it blows up. I wondered how at the time, how he knew that, how he tested it. Myron is like a well-known junk collector. So that part uh, rings true. And he fishes around in a box and comes up with a barbell. Some people have called this a dumbbell for um, perhaps uh, more insulting reasons, but okay. He's like, here we are. He continues, he tried to put the Starbrand energy into an asteroid, some probably nickel iron. The resultant blast was the so-called white event. And I want you to put the power, or 90% of what you have anyway, into this. And he hands him the barbell. And you think I can do this without killing myself, Myron? Well, maybe not. But I'm willing to bet you won't stay dead. Really selling us on the concept here, Myron. <laughs> so you... You Has Myron had in... any good ideas in this entire comic series so far? I mean, at some point I suggested, what if Myron or Duck or someone was like a secret plant that was there to, you know, send him down the wrong way or to like turn him into a 
you know, a weapon for the CIA or something. Now you ask me, is there any way he could have been more uh, wrong than than he is in 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 this case? Right, and he's supposed to be real smart. And if like the comic book guys are saying like you know just wearing this flimsy costume, people are gonna be able to figure out who you are. Shouldn't have been even more on top of things as the uh, smart guy. Yeah, yeah. Although he's not a comic reader, so maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So Myron's like, you'll probably just, uh, you know, uh, turn into that thing again. And then when you're healed, you'll turn back into being human again. So he hands him some shorts. I guess he's been naked this whole time. And it says, remember, you got to put total concentration into this. You'll have to use that 10% residual to contain the blast. He's, Ken says, well, where do you propose we do this, Myron? Right here? Good Lord, no! Up there! Fly into space like the old man did. Maybe to the far side of the moon. We don't want a second white event, after all. Okay, that's... Okay, Myron, that was at least an attempt at a good idea. But Right. <laughs> Ken, the uh, guy who we were always told had a lot of potential. Smarter than, uh, you know, a mechanic needs to be. Flies up, straight up. Thinking to himself, okay, but I don't think I'm going all the way to the moon to do this. If the blast goes out of control and zaps me, why don't we be able to get to a hospital fast? And not vaporize a hospital. <laughs> it says, okay, it looks like I'm about 10 miles up. That should be enough, especially since I know exactly what's going to happen, courtesy of the old man's memories. Like Myron said, I can use the residual power to focus and contain the blast. Shouldn't be too tough, really. After all, I'm the guy who once controlled a nuclear explosion. Issue number two. How much more could this, and as his hand then moves to that barbell and the star brand lights up, we flip the page and have a nice double page spread of, um, let's call it an explosion. Blast dome or something, yeah. That is... um, but it looks like we're, you know, looking at this from like basically space, like the earth is curved on the horizon. So we are way up there. So whatever this is, this is larger than anyone expected. And everything appears to be toast around it and probably inside it. There is like a- one of those uh, ultimate summons you can get in a final fantasy game or something you know, they start <laughs> off just kind of wrecking the local area and then all of a sudden they're flying into space and firing off huge beams and stuff i mean uh it it is uh it's a good um reminder from uh, akira starts off with like neo tokyo or with tokyo blowing up it's a little like that um watchman number 11 yeah um all those things so anyway nice image it's definitely like evokes a strong response um it just kind of (laughs) sucks yeah it's like definitely like it's mass devastation whatever it is and there's a note in the corner to be continued in the pit on sale soon (laughs) which will be our next episode awesome (laughs) oh my god Sorry, Pittsburgh. Farewell, Pittsburgh. We've okay, been foreshadowed. I'm out of here. 
You can just cover the rest of the new universe on your own. <laughs> hey, Cyforce is still cool. My what? My boots walk into the door over there. Forget you, Burn. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe the explosion will stir the kickers back into action and we can get some more of their adventures. <laughs> oh my god. Well, so yeah, we uh we wanted to focus in on this because there is not only like um uh, this is a key issue in the development of the new universe, but is um there's a lot of stuff we could uh talk about it after this. Indeed. Indeed. Um, so, man, I don't even know where to begin. To begin <laughs> yeah. with. So let's let's start <laughs> with some of the changes, right? Like, so, I mean, this is a big explanation issue. Um, I mean, we're pretty sure uh, through interviews that they kind of wanted to shake things up with the line. And this was an idea that kind of came about to do that. So this is something that's going to have a big impact on the comic. Um, but just for the sake of star brand already, right? So we have duck is alive. Every other character from the comic, pretty much not. Um, she also has a different name for some reason. I don't really understand that. Um, I guess we can just keep calling her Duck. <laughs> I will definitely do that. Yes. So I mean, her her hanging plot thread is that she's pregnant. Um, will that matter at this point? We'll find out. But um, so that's the only kind of continuing piece from the book. Um, yeah, the old man comes back again, but you know he's died before, but this time he's fused. So maybe he's officially gone. But it's a, another weird way to die. That opens the door for like more strangeness. And I guess from there, and it's just like the star brand powers are confusing. Like, okay, so it's, it slows aging, you get taller, you can't die, and you can put energy into things, but it just explodes. And then maybe the first time he did that, that was the white event. And so then the white event, the star brand power is what caused all of the paranormalities. So like the energy, the power from these comes from that. So yeah, there's a lot to unpack. That is, yeah, that's so how he creates the white event is okay. Um, and yeah, the connection between the star brand and the paranormals I gotta say that part makes sense to me. Okay. Yeah, um, that, that that can work. Yeah, I think I like to think of like the star brand. They keep saying it's infinite, and if you can tap, you know, if you just give people a small, you know, portion of an infinite power, that's enough to give them a you know some kind of you know superpower. Right. So if you think of it not so much as like everyone's, you know, very. Um, as the sort of like extra energy that people get for whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like in the, sometimes in the comics, like the flash needs to eat a lot, you know, to power his abilities, right. He needs like regular food metabolism or like you're trying to explain why Cyclops and the X-Men has can blast out of his eyes as much as he wants. Right. Where does that energy come from? It actually kind of works as an explanation. If there's like this little 
fraction of the infinite. So you can infinitely read minds, right? You can, right. you know. You know. Yeah, you're tapping into something if you think of it as a power source. And I guess that we kind of touched on that at some point in the past where it's like if Ken was like working with the scientists to try to figure out where his energy is coming from, maybe that would be a like a you know, clean energy source that the world could use. I don't know. Yeah. I Even mean, like knowing where what it, you know, where it comes from or what it is, they'd be able to figure something useful out of it. Yeah. If only Ken had asked the advice of that bartender in DC <laughs> who like gave him the really sound advice of like avoiding the public and the president and the CIA. That guy was will go down as the hero of the book. Absolutely the best advice he ever got. Yeah. Well, I guess he's um, still alive. He wasn't in Pittsburgh, so that's true. Um <laughs> Myron yeah like going public wasn't a great idea it seems to have just turned ken into a monster um duck well you know it's hard to think of her as really being that proactive so i don't know but between the two of them they came up with this bad idea that even the folks at marvel made fun of and then um said oh you know what you should do is get rid of more of this power by blowing up in the same way that this guy just did okay yeah. with some magical idea that if you concentrate hard enough you can control the blast yeah okay yeah. um like i say if if myron was like a an mk ultra experiment that was trying to create an ultimate um human <laughs> weapon Good, good job, buddy. You succeeded. Oh dear. Uh, I mean, the old man's always like you were psychologically perfect, and that doesn't make sense. Asking like, why is he like always saying you had the power to, you know, control the universe? You could have ruled the universe. Well, you had the power to rule the universe for 500 years, and now you're right. blaming him? I don't get it. Yeah, you were digging around in the mines. Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, man. You couldn't even save those miners' jobs. You were like, go learn to code, buddy. I couldn't <laughs> believe it, man. We were all insulted by you. Anyway. <laughs> go so... learn to code. <laughs> I don't know um yeah so i mean there the the old man had warned him before don't put the put the brand into an inanimate object and even after he's like wow that blew up into the white event he's like well i'm 10 miles away that's probably further than an asteroid was i guess i don't know mm -hmm. he had memories of this and you know all the warnings you could imagine and yeah so this, again, is the sort of you know heel turn that we've seen where it's like he's not that bright and kind of obstinate and, uh, yeah, just sort of written from the worst possible angle. Yeah, unforgivably mean to duck, stupid, can't follow directions. Yeah. Going back over Duck's story, though, she sort of skips over the part where the old man shows up with a story and then he puts her in the hospital because there was that whole part there where he's mind controlling her right. and he tells her some secrets, right? 
but she never seems to have like remembered what those were. Right. Different so, writer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, let me point out, by the way, that in the memories of the from issue one, where Kenny's in his um, motocross outfit, it is like a brown and blue two tone outfit. You see that on page three, and again later on page eighteen. And someone had pointed out on the Facebook fan page, like one of the um, the original pages, like they they were showing from. Um, the recolored version that's now in uh, comicsology, I guess, and they're all with that two-tone color scheme. Okay. So, yeah, I was like, "Is that? Did they go back and change that?" No, this was like already changed a couple of issues later. So, don't know what to tell you there. Um. So let's see. Bobby and Cassie who had like a lot of setup last month, but. All for the sake of a quick gag, I guess. I think that's kind of like maybe a clue of just how fast some of these ideas were flowing. <laughs> yeah. I, and... I feel like he was probably setting up something there for continuing the story, but then, you know, okay, now now we're doing the pit. So, I mean, the, the thing is, it, it really feels like, again, they've avoided any action. Now, I, they do get into a fight at the convention center, so... Okay, I, I guess I can't say that, but he's like, they're, they're like, Debbie's like, okay, he was out being a superhero all the time. And you, it's like several months of him being a superhero. And the only way we know that really is from DP7 and Cyforce or Justice. Yeah, really just you know, they, they would start hearing about it is all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We uh, we never see any of this actual you know superhero action we were kind of hoping for. Like, this continues to give him zero credit for anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it again. It just seems like you're purposefully avoiding making giving people what they want sometimes. Um, hmm. The excitement about the pit. <laughs> I did uh, do a little digging into the convention center because oh, nice. the, first, the first few um, comic conventions they would have had in Pittsburgh were all in Monroeville, the sort of little suburb a few miles out outside of town um, where they still have cons and um, it's where I always go to them. They, uh, but I don't know. I mean, you can imagine that this is like a special occasion because they've got a real live superhero and everything. So um, the downtown convention center here that was uh, rebuilt. It was built in about 1980 and then rebuilt around 2000 or so into whatever it is now. And I can't find any pictures online of what it, the original building looked like. So mm. this may be photo referenced or maybe not. So do not know um yeah could be photo reference just from a random convention center also true ah so let's see like i said this the ending reminds me of um several like world blowing up um explosions from other books that they would have seen at the time um just the world goes white and who knows what's coming next hmm oh 
<laughs> so let's wait. We we're supposed this to get. Thing? Oh, I'm not even done yet. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Continue the rant. All right. Let's yeah. Let's let's grade this as best we can because unfortunately, I, let me see. You go ahead. I I'm, I'm let me put my thoughts together here. Okay. Uh, hmm. Well, again, you know, as a comic book, the art's good for the most part. Um, I mean, again, there's there's so many things that bother me about this book. It's not the writing per se or the dialogue. You know, it's a, it's an well, it's a reasonably well executed comic book. Just in terms of that, uh, it's just a, yeah, it just feels like such a setup. You know, like Ken is drawn kind of oafish. Even Duck doesn't look very pretty compared to the other women in the book, and that's kind of the thing she's got going for her. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, characters. I mean, Ken Connell hasn't been acting in character uh really since issue seven if we're being fair and, and maybe 10 was a little bit better but not too much uh, so it's continues to kind of that out of character mess um uh, you know we talked about you can argue about the pre-pit post-pit kind of thing um uh, i don't know i'm just i'm just gonna give it a d i don't like it it's it's a petty d <laughs> Yeah, ah, I mean, it's so difficult for me. Like, yeah, technically, you know, the 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 level of craftsmanship is, you know, fine. B B plus. I mean, it's um tells a story that's, but like the sense you get behind it, like, yeah, wow, you know, it is um agitprop it's like I, 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 it's like if you read a like if like Jim Shooter was a political figure then this whole book was you know a setup like to show you how, how much you should hate him you know what I mean <laughs> yeah kind of I don't know how to like grade <laughs> so uh, I'll I mean I, you know and yeah as I've said before for the record, I live in Pittsburgh, have for a while, quite fond of the place. Um, blowing up Pittsburgh was not really on my list of things to do. Um, but can I can I just grade it like, you know, zero for for that? I feel <laughs> then I feel like a jerk. Um, <laughs> yeah, just go with your gut, man. That's what I did. I will give a generous uh, B just wow. to kind of split the difference of like, um, I don't know, but the like, the, it's like I need a second grade for the frustration that's involved in this thing. It is just like off the scale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's the, you know, thing that always bothers me. I mean, this is issue 12. It's, it's you know, not that far into a comic. And, you know, when you take an existing character, Byrne has done a really nice job of like reading and re and using the past issues, right? So, you know, the things that happened are covered and talked about and that kind of thing. But just the characterizations uh, 
you know, really mostly of Ken, but just in general that, yeah, it's just so off from what he started as for no particular good reason. So, you know, I, I find that as sort of a fundamental flaw. And so, you know, it's a little of the comic book fan saying like, this is a character I liked and this is, doesn't feel like that character anymore. So the same thing that's... happened with Mark Hazard. And then that's probably uh, some of my other lower ratings. So I feel yeah, comf- comf- I comfortable and confident with the with the failing grade. I uh, I don't blame you at all. I guess when I sort of approach this, I'm thinking of it in terms of like in and of itself. Um, and if I were to like grade the 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 books, you know what I mean, as a whole, that's about where I ding this one for like its extreme um, going off the rails. Um, I think you're right that like, if, and, and, you know, I would have liked to have seen that is, um, if they had stretched this point where he's trying to be a superhero, you know, over six issues, six months or three issues, I don't know. Um, that would have been a real interest. That's a real interesting point for the, the new universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. As we saw in the other books, they're starting to see him pop, you know. The name is starting to get out there. People realize there's paranormals in the world. And, you know, this whole thing is getting wider and wider acceptance. And that combined with their, maybe his and Duck's relationship hitting the skids. Um, you know, that, that, and then like this Bobby and Cassie subplot, that's seems like that could have been stretched out for a while. Right. Um, and so it's like they wanted to get to something that was very action packed, and uh, it's you're, they're pushing themselves into like full post apocalyptic uh, genre with this, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess if you think about it, I mean, in Starbrand, Pittsburgh has been blown up, and in Sci Force, the sanctuary has been blown up. Injustice, the whole Winterlands dimension has been eliminated, right? Not blown up, but eliminated. Um, and then in DP7, the clinic is looking a little rough. <laughs> yeah. Everything's blowing up. Jeez. Everything is, yeah. Ouch. Oh, I wanted to say another th- was um, that part where the convention center blows up. They say 5,000 people died there. I mean... That's enough, you know what I mean? Right, that's a big, like, world-changing event. Yeah, that is... um, All of us uh, on this side of 9-11 would tell you that would be plenty of people to get killed for, like, to turn the world against paranormals or or what have you. That would get justice on your tail, like we had kind of talked about before, which would have been a cool plot line. You would be the number one do... Yeah want most wanted the uh, osama bin laden of the new universe right so and all like, of that that would leave like ken trying to explain like with no evidence or <laughs> anything that it was the old man who doesn't any longer exist that actually caused the destruction right he poured all his energy into me but that doesn't mean i'm him probably what <laughs> mm. yeah yeah um yeah 
Mm. Yeah. This is, I mean, you, you just like when they skip right over that, I can only, you know, read between the lines. Cause that was sort of um, just in passing that like, if everyone had heard like, Oh, there was an explosion in town and people are dead that hopefully everyone just left town immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I kind of doubt it anyway. Hmm. Um, geez, is there anything more? I had a few more whatever things about the the pit and all of that, but we can just save them for the pit um issue that's going to come up next. Um, yeah, well, well, let's just put it out there that if you get the Star Brand uh like collection, the like Marvel graphic novel one. Uh, it ends with issue 10 <laughs> the where he's uh, going against the Russian super dense guy who's trying to cause his own <laughs> city destroying disaster. So you can just read that and then feel like you've got a complete star brand story. <laughs> yeah. That's usually where I stop. I mean, part of it is like I said, with the uh, sort of jumping from one stage to the other, is um if we just read star brand this really feels like it's in overdrive you know what i mean right like reading the other books as they come out and people start talking about this and whatever at least gives you some of the coherent universe and a little bit more of the proper timeline that we were kind of hoping for so keeping this on the bi-monthly schedule and just having it turn from like one issue to the next be these like huge events um really it's only reading the other books around that uh between that that really make you feel like things are fleshed out and not just like rushing way too fast right Ooh. Hmm. let's see so there was a profile on the great uh villain of the story as he said john byrne <laughs> he's dead he was lucky. He was at least uh, good enough to kill to uh, kill his uh, doppelganger in the story. Um, I was saying the other day that um, one of his influences was a uh, writer named Bellamy, but I I looked up all these guys, and I was wrong. It is a uh, British uh, comic book artist named Bellamy. Oh, uh, okay. And then these several more names that I don't recognize um, are all British comic artists. Um, and the only uh, regular novel writer on the list is Larry Niven, a well-known sort of hard sci-fi writer. Did he end um, up doing comic books at some point, though? He did a couple. I know there was like a Green Lantern issue and... Um, uh, he done you know like a couple of special graphic novels or something. Yeah. I'll I'll out my ignorance. Is Wayne boring a comics writer? He was a uh, Superman artist. Okay, because that would be a, that's an okay name for an artist, but a terrible name for a writer. <laughs> it's a low low brow joke there, but yeah, yeah. The um, I think. And so this be... this profile is in. I mean, they're really doing this in 87, right? 
Yeah, so this came out just at the very end of 87. So he's written this before. My greatest unfulfilled ambition in the comics field is leaving. Um, he's not quite well, accomplished still hasn't that. really left. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe that's his ironic punishment for uh, pulling this stunt on us 30-something years ago. Yeah, he says the one thing I really want the world to know about me is my height. He does not say what his height is. <laughs> Go figure sassy john Byrne. oh yeah we will dig into more with the implications social geological <laughs> and uh political of the pit next time oh i guess <laughs> i've never read it so it'll be new to me i've read this before but so i kind of knew what to expect but i've never actually read the pit so let's see should we call it? Yeah, I guess let's start wrapping it up. We're gonna spend four hours talking about one issue. <laughs> or maybe we do. I don't know. Like, can't get even for ourselves. That. Can't get enough of that podcast. <laughs> that's sugar crisp cereal commercial jingle. But yeah, so all right, that's it. Uh, next time we look at the first new you prestige format 48 page graphic novel the pit uh, uh, interviews stated they wanted to have something to bridge the gap between this issue and the next new universe titles and they did so a major city in the united states has been annihilated they were very cagey about this right. the world asks how such incomprehensible devastation could happen this is the story of how deeply this devastation affects not just the world, but also how it changes the future of the new universe. Plotted by John Byrne and Mark Gruenwald, scripted by John Byrne, illustrated by Sal Buscema and Stan Drake. Bookshelf format, 48 pages, 325. Mm, man, that's pricey. Regular books are 75 cents, keep in mind. So. <laughs> So you can also find us at the website uh, kickersinc.com or you can email us with your own uh, alternate uh, plot lines at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. This has been the voice of the new universe and we'll see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw away the duck. Not the name, not the character, neither of those things. <laughs> it's your universe, idiot. I feel like I've been nuked with the new. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>